this is Jody Vesley here with the Heartway Pastor and Missionary Caregiver Podcast. After this past week, uh, last episode of, of this season, it was our most quickly downloaded podcast episode ever. And I was contacted on several occasions with people thanking me for that episode and some wanting to go further. So that's what this episode today is about. We're going to go into how do we go about changing our heart and mind about the body. During more times than I can count, I have heard things that brought out the skeptic in me regarding conclusions about what to wear and and the body and sexual desires and so on and so forth. If you haven't already done so, you should listen to the previous episode before listening to this one. I really do think God can transform our mind in regards to how we view bodies, but I really don't think it is immediate or easy. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed in this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our minds need to be renewed, but this takes time. It takes both God's Word and the Holy Spirit in us to transform us. So how can we change our thinking about the body? First off, it takes scripture and meditation on scripture. Reflect on Psalm 139, 13-14, which says, For it was you, talking about God, who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. And Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on earth. And Genesis 6.5-6, When the Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth, and that every scheme in his mind thought his mind thought was nothing but evil all the time the lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart and 1 corinthians 6:19 a sanctuary of the holy spirit is who is in you whom you have from god you are not your own and so when we look at these verses we understand some things. We understand that God was involved in our creation, each and, one, each and every one of us. We are made remarkably and wonderfully, and God had a part in that. And also that we are made in the image of God, and we reflect Him to others. And also that we can do things and, and think things that affect God Uh, to the point where at one time he had regretted that he made man on the earth. And so our thoughts and our thinking can be evil. And God doesn't like this. And it can cause him to be grieved. Uh, It it actually, it it can make him sad what we think. And 1 Corinthians 6.19, we are... As our, as our bodies, right, are a sanctuary for the Holy Spirit. 
And so we are God's and not our own. Something I also recommend is to familiarize yourself with other cultures. Some cultures make a lot bigger deal of the body than other cultures. There isn't one perfect culture in terms of the Bible. We can learn from different ways of doing things. Um, We always personally felt refreshed going to the beaches near St. Petersburg, Russia, because it felt judgment-free. People wore what they wanted. No one cared. People wore what they didn't want. No one cared. I think another thing we can do is have conversations with other people who think differently about the body. Try to understand their viewpoint and compare that to what the Bible says. If there is no opposition to what they say in the Bible, then their viewpoint could be useful to adopt or consider. So I have Gabby here with me today, and I thought to go further on this subject, it would be better to have more than one viewpoint. So I'm going to include her here, and um, we're going to discuss some about what is the woman's role in the perception of the body, because uh, we talked a lot about uh, from a man's perspective last time in the last episode, and how they should or shouldn't view the the body of women but that being said what is what is the woman's role in the perception of the body yeah so um i think it's wise for us to remember that men are not the only ones that struggle with images um there are plenty of women in this world that also struggle with porn addictions and um letting their mind wander where that shouldn't wander um when looking at the human body Um, I think it's really important for women to understand from a cultural perspective um, how they've learned to think about the human body. It's not necessarily a biblical approach. Uh, We are, especially in the American culture, we're taught from a young age that we're supposed to look pretty. Um, I'm sure most of y'all can relate to the fact that um, on Sunday morning I, you know, had my pantyhose on and I had my nails done and I had a cute little dress and I had my hair put up. Um, We're taught from a very young age that our looks are very important. And uh, this is all reflected in how we view the human body um, and how we view our our own, our personal selves. And that's where it has to start with women is how, how do you view yourself? Um, you are more than a body, right? God has created you for a purpose, and your purpose is not to look beautiful. Um, and that is a relief for, for me personally, because <laughs> my purpose has nothing to do with my outward appearance. Um, so that is, in a way, freeing. I think that um, if we take this a step further um, and we stop thinking about um, how we view our own bodies and how we need to be positive about the body that God has made us, if we go further, that goes to the other women that we see. Um, so this has been a process, obviously, because I, just like most of y'all that are listening to this, grew up in this culture that you know sexualized women's body. And not only do they sexualize it, they sexualize it, and then they tell you that's bad. Um, that's not what you're, you know, that's not what you should do. Look pretty, but don't look sexual. Um, and if there is a woman looking sexual, then you know she's a bad woman. And so. What I had to kind of work through in my mind is um, 
judgment, right? Which we are called not to do. We are not to judge. Um, So say I'm at a water park or I'm at the beach or even, you know, in St. Petersburg, you could be walking down the street and these women, they're just dressed so beautifully and uh, they're so, they're just very beautiful, right? And my immediate thoughts would be, you know, um, why are they dressed like that? You know, they are after one thing Um, or, you, you know, why would you buy a bathing suit like that? Like, that's just so inappropriate. It's less than underwear. Um, so those are my previous thoughts, right? But I have to stop myself because that is quickly judging those women. I don't know who they are. I don't know their souls. But I do know some things. I do know that God created them. I do know that God has a purpose in their life. I know that God loves them as much as He loves me. Um, I know that they have struggles in their life, real struggles, um, I know they have victories in their life, and I have to, I had, it's easier now, but when I first started, started this, this idea that I need to stop being so judgmental of other women's bodies, you know, I had to consciously think about, hey, that woman was somebody that God created, and I have no right to judge God's creation. That is not my place. Um, she is a soul that God created and loved, and if that's how she chooses to dress, Although that's not how I would choose to dress, it's not my place to to judge her for that. And so I think that the woman's role in the perception of the body is for one to understand that your body was not made for sex. You have a purpose in life. You have a purpose that God has has designed you for, and that purpose does not does not revolve around how attractive you look. And if you can accept that for your body, then you can take that and go towards other women and give other women that um, that thought process too. That although they may look beautiful and uh, even you know sensuous, God, that was not God's design for them. That's not their purpose is to for people to look at them in a sexual manner. Yeah, thanks, Gabby. I, by the way, you're beautiful inside and out. <laughs> Um, I, I appreciate your perspective on that. And I think it's helpful, uh, because, you know, guys, we, we can't really understand how women view other women and other people. So it's, it's good to hear more than one perspective on this. Um, you know, for a husband and wife who are going through these kind of things together, maybe they've been brought up in a culture like the American culture where we really, really sexualize the body. Uh, How can spouses help each other? How can uh, a wife help her husband? Uh, This would be, uh, I think, a good place to start. How how do you think a wife could help uh, her husband to think differently in a transformed new way about the mind. Uh, sorry, not about the mind, but about the body. And um, so what do you think about that? Yeah, um, I think it really uh, needs to be open conversations between a husband and a wife. Um, to start off with, husbands, it would be... Um, I know that a lot of times we think that it's a great idea when we're like, hey, our women, our wives are smoking hot or, you know, our wives are, you know, you know, they're just want, I hear smoking hot wives a lot. The thing with that is that um, that's really t- undervaluing who she is. 
And so when we're talking about influencing a transformation, you a husband is also going to be a part of a woman's transformation or his wife's transformation into understanding that she's more than just a hot body, that she actually has a purpose. For a wife, um, it's really learning not to um, t- take your husband's sin, and say for say, um, we I know we love to hear that men are visual. Um, that's not that's not an excuse. Even I, I agree that women and men are both visual people sometimes, depending on the person. Of course, that's not an excuse. I mean, we all have our crosses to bear. It's just not an excuse to let your mind wander. But with that being said, um, a wife can be uh, can influence her husband in a good way by not attaching that sin to who the husband is as a Christian or as a person. So, for example, if you can talk to your child about maybe they told a lie. So, uh, ideally, you're going to go and you're going to talk to your child about that lie, right? And you're not going to walk up to that child and you're going to call them a liar. Like, there's a difference between saying, hey, you know what? You really messed up. You lied here. God doesn't want us to lie. And instead of walking to the child and saying, you are a liar. So, I think, I know that's really like, that's a like a small thing, right? Um, but it's really not all that different if you think about it. You know, for a spouse that's struggling with maybe um, temptations in this way, it's really important not to attach the sin to the person. It is a mind shift change for the, the spouse who maybe isn't struggling with it. It's a mind shift from this spouse is doing this sin and this sin is heavily affecting me and it's just depressing me and I'm not worthy and um, I just can't live up to their desires to looking at it from a different perspective as in, man, my spouse is really struggling with a sin. Uh, it is really, we know that sin is deadly. We know that sin is hurtful, that sin is not pleasurable for a Christian. So my spouse must be miserable. How can I help my spouse overcome this sin? So, um, it's really, I think, in a way for a wife to, or a husband to really um, help transform these, these mindsets is, is giving your spouse the ability to sin without taking that sin on as an identity. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Um, I, I think spouses uh, really should just try to help each other. Uh, in any type of sin or any type of thinking to improve that thinking, to make it more biblical, to definitely question each other's thinking and and question our thoughts that we hold so dearly and think, are those biblical or unbiblical thoughts? And so really when we get into this idea of the body, uh, like we talked about in the last episode, it's based on a false presupposition that um, men are visual, and because men are visual, this, this, this. And so, but we found out last time that also women are visual. Men and women are visual, and you mentioned that today, Gabby. Yes, I know we talked about visual, but, you know, it was really funny the other morning I was out walking, and I like to listen to podcasts while I'm walking, and... Um, there was this advertisement. This wasn't a Christian podcast, obviously. Um, but it was just an interesting podcast over cults or something like that. And, um, anyway, so I was listening to it and for one of their advertisements, they were advertising this other podcast, which was basically this erotic storytelling. 
And these two women were talking about how they just love this podcast and how people, all these women should sign up for this podcast. Um, so we should not, we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't deceive ourselves into thinking that just because people are visual, then they're the only people that are struggling with this type of sin, because that is definitely not the case. You know, we, Satan is very sly and cunning. He knows that, you know, the reality is biologically sex is a very big driver for any creature. And so um, he's figured out ways to make even maybe not visual people stumble too. So it's not, it's not just these visual people. I know we like to put this big label, oh, people are visual. So that way they're going to have all these sexual desires. But you know, you can have these, these sexual fantasies without going to a visual place. So and we they definitely are marketing for all sorts of people. You heard it, guys. So we're not alone when we go on social media and all these ads get put up that are geared towards men, that are geared towards men of certain ages, that whatever you are, uh, women are also experiencing these types of things in different ways too. And so we're really in this battle together, really, um, against lust of the heart, uh, which isn't just based on visual things. It's also based on auditory things and it's based on feelings. And so where do we, where do we go from here? Uh, we, we started this a long time ago with this false presupposition of the body. We've talked about how to help in that, what the Bible says about bodies, but where do we go from here? What, for our listeners today, what, what are some, some practical takeaways some further discussion topics they can have maybe with their spouse or with their churches or with their groups. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so um, I am a big believer in confessing. Um, I think that the special relationship that God gives us with our spouses um the intimacy that you ha- you get to experience with your spouse, and I don't just mean a sexual int- intimacy, I mean like um, the ability to know, um, the ability to know, to see your spouse at their saddest, at their angriest, at their happiest, you know, that's, that's the privileges we get while being married to somebody. We get to see our spouse in, you know, these extremes. But confession is such a important part of this process, I think, um, because, your spouse can also be your biggest helpmate and ally in overcoming these things. Um, so first off, I would start with um, a confession. If you are struggling with a porn addiction or you're struggling with, you know, inappropriate thoughts. Um, and Jody went over at last podcast. This doesn't mean, you know, a boob flashes on your screen accidentally while you're scrolling, you know, social media. You need to run off and go tell your wife. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like if you are really struggling in your heart um, confessing to your spouse, um, is something that I highly recommend. With that being said, um, if you confess when, if you build up the courage and you confess this to your wife, um, I'm not going to paint this rosy picture that she's going to be like, Oh, I'm so sorry that you're struggling with this sin. Let me hug you. And, you know, I'm going to support you through this. More than likely, that's not going to be her first response. Um, and you know what? That's okay. Um, 
or his first response, if this is a wife having to confess to her husband, this more than likely isn't going to be their first response. They're going to have some really strong feelings. Um, part of it is because of our cultural background that we've already talked about. Man, we've been taught that, you know, a good man never looks, or and a good wife or a good woman, I mean, who would even think that a woman would look at porn? I mean, like that is just, you know, who would even imagine that? But uh, the reality is, is that there are sexual sins. Obviously, the porn industry is huge, and that's not just non-believers. <laughs> Those are obviously Christians. You see Christian leaders fall to it. So um, it's it's this idea that your spouse, after they have overcome these huge emotions and you've given them time to feel these emotions, to process these emotions, then, you know, I'm not saying this would even happen overnight or in a week. This could take, you know, a month or two. But the fact is, is that your relationship will be stronger afterwards if you give them time to process through this and you um, seek help if you need to through a counselor. Um, Jody and I are always available um, to do this. But I strongly recommend confessing to your spouse um, and then allowing them to have their big feelings and then coming up with a good plan to work through it. So... um, we don't like accountability a lot of times, um, but the reality is is that accountability is good for our Christian life. Um, the way I like to look at it is, um, like, if I'm not holding my children or if I'm not holding Jody um, accountable for something, in a way, I'm enabling them to continue living how they shouldn't live, maybe. And in that way, I'm not showing love. Um Somebody that loves somebody doesn't allow them to live a life that is not fulfilling, is not a fulfilling Christian life when that's what they're called to do, to be. Um, so um, this is obviously being able to be accountable to each other, confessing, you know, your wife can become your biggest prayer partner. Your husband can become your biggest prayer partner. Um, there's just a lot that a lot of good that your spouse can do for you if you're able to confess this sin to them. Yeah, so you heard it. Uh, you confess, and then eventually there will be a weight lifted off your shoulders. It's not like a big secret anymore that you have to worry about someone else finding out or your spouse eventually finding out or that you even have to take to the grave with you. Uh, you can have uh, that feeling of, of freedom from this sin uh, because you don't have to bear the weight anymore of of that guilt uh, of taking it with you, and then you can also have your your spouse help you out in the future, and there's closeness in that. And so, in terms of in a church setting, uh, what what can be done? What do you? We've talked some about uh, the spouses helping each other, but what do you think should? pastors be preaching more sermons on these topics should they be reserved more for small groups uh, what where can the church go what what can the church do to help change the perception of the body and also help some with with people who struggle with lusting in their heart yeah you know I sit through a few sermons in my life where the preacher will make a remark about um, pornography addiction and um, or, you know, just sexual immorality, right? Um, 
And I think sometimes we need to be mindful of the way that we're bringing these messages across because a lot of times these types of people are presented as the lowest of the low, right? And we know that for one, there is no hierarchy in sin. And for two, if we want to try as humans to put a hierarchy to to sin, um, these would be the type of people that Jesus was hanging out with during his ministry. I mean, he was hanging out with the prostitutes and the sinners, um, so I think that as, as leaders of churches, we really need to be careful with how we're presenting these people, presenting this idea of what people are struggling with as something so huge. Because um, personally, if I was sitting in a sermon and I was struggling with a porn addiction and I heard this preacher preach this, you know, you know this horrible thing about porn addiction, uh, I would probably not go to him for counseling because I'd be terrified that the second I go in and talk to him about it, that he would, you know, kick me out of the church or um, he would have be so judgmental. And not only that, I would leave the church feeling how dirty and horrible I am. And like, yeah, I probably wouldn't go back. Like, uh, there is no place for me at that church. So I think that it would be important that when um, pastors or leaders of churches, you know, I think it's good to talk about it. It's got to be talked about. It must be talked about. But it needs to be in a way of hope, you know, that there is healing for this, that God can renew your mind and change your heart. And, you know, there is places that you can get help for this um, and that you're not a bad person because of it. You know, you're not uh, just because you're addicted to porn does not make you an awful Christian, right? Because we can change, God can change us and God can still use us. Um, You know, one of our favorite things that we heard recently, I think it was from an MTN, that God only uses broken vessels. And so there's never, we're never without hope. Um, So that's one thing. It's got to be talked about and it's got to be talked about in a way that brings hope to the people that are struggling with it. Um, And, you know, we need to talk with our, our women in our church also, and we need to quit making them so scared of it. Uh, women are taught to be so fearful of pornography addictions or f- so fearful of their men looking at other women. Um, you know, that's a that's not scriptural. We shouldn't live in fear. And so when, we're, when we teach um, our women to be fearful of this type of stuff, this does not set them up to be very good helpmates for their husband. It sets them up to be sad, lonely, bitter, depressed when something like this happens. It takes, it gives them... It, it makes them feel like they are not loved from their husbands, that their husbands do not desire them, and that their husbands are big cheaters and horrible fakes. You know, that's just not true most of the time. And um, it's, maybe it comes from inexperience, um, not being completely knowledgeable of maybe what a porn addiction looks like or what a, what a person goes through when they're in a porn addiction, that it really doesn't have much to do with their desire for their spouse or their love for their spouse. Um, but anyways, we need to do a better job at presenting this in a better way, a more hopeful way, a way that is more beneficial to both spouses in the situation. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, too, when we talk about these things, it's important to remember that porn addiction and, and things like this, it, it reveals that there's heart issues going on, um, whether it be lust or 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 taking refuge in in that thing over God depression. when there's when or depression and there's these things that uh that need to be dealt with so sometimes you can get caught up in uh, a porn addiction and think thinking you know I'll put all these measures in place I'll have my 
wife do all these things and hold me accountable and all those things can be good things. But if the heart issue hasn't been resolved and, and the porn addiction is just uh, a symptom of a, of a deeper heart issue, which uh, it is, then, uh, then, then it's just going to always be a fight. And I don't think it always has to be as tough of a fight as we make it out to be. And, and I think it's because we focus on the wrong thing. So we definitely need to delve into fixing the heart. And what that means in a church setting, the pastors and, and teachers and churches, you need to be preaching about uh, the source of our sin, about, uh, about heart issues, about resolving heart issues, about asking questions to get to the root of, of some of these issues that are going on. Uh, preach more practically. Pe- preach in in-depth ways. Teach, offer services and, and ministries in your in your churches to help people with these things. We we so many times wonder where where is the next generation? Where are these next people coming in? Well, the reality is is like next generation people have a lot of struggles, uh, just like older generation people. Uh, and when they come to a church for the first time. And everyone just seems like they have it all together and there's no authenticity, there's no transparency. People just think, well, man, I've, I, I just, I don't know what to do here. I, I don't fit in with this group of people. They've, they've got things together and I'm trying to work out these things. And so we need to be authentic, all of us and, and transparent. And at the same time though, uh, some churches are, are rampant with sin and there's sin in, in the leadership and there's, and there's sin in the church leaders and all throughout the church. And it's unconfessing, it's unrepented of sin, it's undealt with sin. And so there's no reason here. We, we also have to be careful of that in churches. We need to be transparent. We need to be authentic, but, uh, but understanding and working towards making things better not not covering them up, not masking these things. Right, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think we we can mask a whole bunch with a turtleneck sweater, right? You can wear a turtleneck sweater, women, but if your heart is not where it should be, that turtleneck sweater doesn't mean anything. It just looks nice. Um, I think another important thing to to talk about is, and it goes along with what you're saying, is that, you know, when we start this path towards healing, so say you've confessed, um, say you've now got some some things in place, um, you're moving in the right direction, right? Um, what is the chances of you not falling back and having a, a fallback and maybe letting your thoughts go a little too far? Those chances are really slim that you're going to go from one extreme to the other with no major setback. Yeah, so it's not realistic. It's not. And so like when I'm talking with some with people in counseling, we talk about how we really would love to see and a lot of us are caught up in this misconception that we are going to start at rock bottom and we're going to do a, a linear climb from the rock bottom all the way to sanctification. And to we'll never fall again. Being in Christ. And that's just not reality. The reality is is that we have dips. Um overall we want to see a climb closer to Christ. But the reality is, is that you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have fallbacks. Um, but once again, that's why we have our spouses. That's why we have mm-hmm. our churches. That's why we should have our churches. Mm-hmm. These should be places and people that we can come to that should encourage us and 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 help get us back on the right path. They're mm-hmm. not to condemn and judge. They're yeah. there to 
to help move you closer to Christ. Yeah. Um, and so I really appreciate this one lady that I uh, talked. I've talked. I've gotten the you know chance to talk to. She was really fun and crazy and encouraging. But you know, one thing I really like about her is that she was so open about her struggles and not just about her struggles, but if you sit and talk to her, she's open about how, man, sometimes it's still a really big struggle. And sometimes I don't make it through the struggle, but you know what? I still know God loves me and I'm still getting better. I still am so much better than what I was when I began. And it's just really refreshing to see somebody that has such a good um, perspective over this journey of becoming closer to Christ. Yeah. And so when you fall, um, Remain hopeful. Remain hopeful and don't give up. That doesn't mean that like that failure means that everything you went through to that point was pointless. It just means that you, like the rest of us, are a work in progress. And that, like you said, it's not going to be a linear process of sanctification. It's going to be up and down. Uh, it's going to be progressive. And so... One other thing I want to address is when I was in seminary, it, it just stuck out to me, and it's something that I, I just haven't really processed very well, and it, it makes me think of things when I'm in churches, like, uh, like are other people thinking this way? Like, I, I just had never really considered it so much before, before I was in this moment in seminary, and so what happened is... In one of the seminaries I went to, one of the professors said he was preaching and there was a woman in the that sat in the front row and she had a short skirt on and like this kept being a distraction to him. And like the whole time I was just thinking, this is really a strange example. I mean, I get what he's saying. Uh, I, I get what he's saying and I... Uh, I, I don't remember the point he was trying to make in saying that, but it, it, it did make me think like it actually made me feel kind of weird for people in churches because I thought, well, are people looking at them strange now? Are, are people really having that much of a struggle with what, what they're wearing and, and what they're doing? And I, I, I don't know how to process this. Like this, this is something that is, that is stuck with me and it's been in the back of my mind for some time now. And this topic is bringing it up the front. So what do you, what do you think, Gabby? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think this is actually a really great example of when, of culture, right? He saw that woman and instead of being able to see the child of God, instead of seeing that opportunity that he has to, maybe she's not a believer. He had an opportunity to share Christ with her. Um, and, or maybe had an opportunity, um, to help her grow closer to Christ. Um, instead of him being able to do that, all he could look at and see was a sexual object and how it was a temptation for him. And this is exactly the mindset that we need to change. That, that should not, that shouldn't have been what he was worried about right? From the pulpit when he sees this young lady sitting on the front row. Man, she's sitting on the front row. She obviously is at that church for something. You know, she is ready to learn. She wants to know something. And instead of being able to focus on her spiritual needs, he was caught up in her sexualness and his desire, his possible desire and how that could cause him to sin. And this is pretty much exactly what we're talking about, this mindset change of, you know, a woman's body is not meant for your sexual pleasure, 
a woman's body, a woman is created for a purpose from from God. And as a pastor, as a missionary, you know, you have a duty to women too, men. You are not just sent to minister to the men in your church. Um, You have a responsibility to minister to these women and to help these women find their purposes for Christ and to serve God. Um, So we have to get to this point where we're not afraid of women. Men shouldn't be afraid to have these, these, to be able to have these um, relationships or to preach or teach these women. Um, Because the reality is, is that you're doing a huge disservice when you do this to women. Yeah, and that also made me think, I, I appreciated when you said there, like she was sitting on the front front row, like she was eager to be there and to learn and hear what was said. And sometimes the, the men mentality that I've heard and has been portrayed is like, these women are like out there trying to make you stumble, trying to get <laughs> you, they're like a temptress and, you, you know, a, a, a woman waving at you in a certain way can mean something to a guy that she's not really meaning and and this is taken a certain way and we 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 heard a lot about this in the rise and fall of mars hill podcast that we were listening to recently and and we've heard it again and again and 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 sermon after sermon message after message teaching session after teaching session that there's these like women out there that are trying to make men stumble and are going after men of God and you need to watch out for them. And it it almost creates like this awkward situation, like how a pastor should respond if like a woman approaches him that's not 100% covered up and isn't like average in in appearance is like beyond that. And, And so uh, what are your what are your thoughts on on this type of teaching and this kind of thinking from men from a women's perspective? Yeah, I think um, something interesting that's happened maybe well definitely more recent than even the Mars Hills thing is the Southern Baptist uh, this pastor that was having a texting conversation with this woman. Um, at some point, he felt that maybe it had gotten too intimate, nothing sexual, but maybe too friendly or something. His wife knew about it. Her husband knew about it. They had read the text. You know, there was no problems with that. Um, they ended up taking it to the elders in the church, and they actually made him resign because of this. You know, on the outside, you're thinking, yay, good job. They are protecting women in that church. But the reality is, is that really set it up for kind of a fearful thing that we have to be afraid of these women. Um and, the, and I mean, I, I don't want to think, you know, I just, I have more faith in men than maybe what is taught and what we have, we have, uh, we try to give ourselves. I, I think that men, if given the opportunity, can see past, you know, bare breasts, can see past short skirts, and can go past that temptation to be able to see that that's a person. And I would lie if I'd say there's not women out there who do try to tempt men. That would be a lie. But the reality is is that you have Christ living in you. You can be stronger than any of those temptations. And any woman that's trying to tempt you in that way, man, she needs Christ. She needs God. We have to quit being scared of these people because how are we ever going to reach them? If you're so scared of women that uh, might provoke some kind of desire in you, then how are you ever going to reach them? And they need to be reached. Like, why do they not get to hear about Christ because you're scared of lusting after them? That's just not, that's not fair. That's just not how we're called to be as Christians. Um, and I, I believe that God can, if Jesus is living in you and the Holy Spirit is in you, 
then he's going to give you the strength to not fall to that temptation. So, um, and at the same time, the object is, I want to point, point this out. The object is not to, um, you know, we don't want to teach these, we don't want to make a relationship with this woman so we can teach her how to dress. We want to make sure that she's modest. And so, you know, how are we ever going to teach these women to how to dress modestly if we kick them out of our church when they're not dressed modestly? That is not what I'm talking about. I want you to move even further past that idea and be able to be okay with somebody that maybe you you feel is in modestly dressed because you see their value as a person and as a, a soul that Christ created. You can look past that and see their worth as God sees them. That's a good point. And so really what we're talking here, what we're getting at, and we're going to close pretty soon, is just a a cultural shift, Uh, a huge cultural shift that's starting in us personally, going to our spouse and us, going into our families, and then ultimately from families into churches. And through this progression, I feel like there is a way we can slowly start seeing the culture change about how we perceive the body. And additionally, we all know this, America is a melting pot. Cultures are coming in from all over the place. And some of them do have different perspectives of the body. They they don't look at them like we do. And they may not have as many clothes on and, and at the beach or, or by the pool or, or wherever we're at as we think they should. And so it's really even more important now than ever to to not come across these people as judgmental and then also to look at them like you said as as lost people if they if they don't have Christ in their hearts and if they do have Christ in their hearts to 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 look at them as like well that's a child of God. What am I so caught up with in what they're wearing? Uh, we're not talking about some kind of vulgar language written on there or anything. We're just literally talking about the style of the clothing they're wearing, which when we get to that point, we just really have to question how much Satan has been at work in this. Uh, because... We're talking about the Great Commission as our main thing to make disciples, and we get caught up on on silly things like this. But I I really do feel like it's important. It it needs to be addressed. Our our perception of of the body needs to be continually changed to fit more of that of the Bible uh, and so I, I would encourage you to start having these conversations internally with God and prayer. Start having these conversations with your spouse. Start having these conversations in your family. Start having these conversations at church. Uh, this is a, a really important thing. And if we're wanting to keep reaching people and reaching people of new cultures and reaching younger people, we're going to have to do a better job of addressing things like this uh, and not being overly judgmental and, and addressing some of our root unbiblical beliefs that really keep people out of the church, right? Uh, they, they view us as hypocritical, as judgmental, and we need to change that. Uh, we, we need to do better. We really do. And so I, I know there's a lot you could say in response to that, but the reality is, is we need to do better. And so I hope that the podcast today 
has been helpful to you to reflect on. I hope it doesn't stop here. Like I said, I hope it continues. And if you are having some issues or you would like to talk further, like Gabby said, we're, we're here uh, at Heartway to, to help and, and guide and answer questions in any way we can. And so don't hesitate to reach out to us. Thank you, Gabby, for all of your input, for your thoughts, your questions. And until next time, this has been the Heartway Podcast, where we seek to help with issues at the source.